0: This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask... How do I grow this thing? On Start at Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Today, I had the privilege of speaking with Sarah Summers, co-founder and VP of brand strategy and partnerships at iFundWomen. This is the go-to funding marketplace for women owned businesses and the people who want to fund them. Sarah is currently on a mission to close the funding gap for women entrepreneurs. How cool is that? She spent the last decade developing and executing high-impact solutions for women-led brands through strategic partnerships, integrated marketing campaigns, and original video. She's going to talk to us about some of that and the work that she's done for iFundWomen today. When she is not driving funding to women-owned businesses, you can find her writing, and performing sketch comedy, ambitiously baking, or over-serving snacks to her kids. I get that. Me too, my friend. This episode was so much fun for so many reasons. Sarah is an amazing guest. iFundWomen is an amazing company. It's something that a lot of founders just don't know about, crowdfunding for their business. So Sarah has so much insight into that and the things that you need to know when you are going for funding to really get your business built and to where it needs to be. So I cannot wait to share Sarah's episode with you.
1: Let's dive right in. Sarah Summers, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Shauna. I'm excited to virtually be here with you. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. I Fund Women is such. A cool brand. It's so important on so many levels. And I want to dive right in and go straight back to the beginning because you are a co-founder. You are one of three co-founders for this brand. Tell me who had the idea, how you became a part of it and where it all started.
1: Yes. Okay. So, um, first of all, I always want to be have iPhone Women referred to as a cool brand. So we're really <laughs> getting off on the right foot here. So Kate Karen and I started iPhone Women together in 2016. So this was mm-hmm. November second, 2016, right before the election. I love that you know the exact day. <laughs> oh, of course, we have an anniversary. You know, it's our baby, right? You know your baby's birthday. We know our company's birthday. I don't know. I have four babies. So at this point, it kind of, well, it all meshes. (laughs) That's fair. There are only so many birthdays that one person can possibly retain. (laughs) So, you know, Karen, as we always say, and it is the truth, you know, she is our visionary and she Mm -hmm. is the founder and CEO of iFundWomen. But it was through a shared experience that Kate, Karen and I founded iFundWomen together. And that was you know, we ourselves are our own customers, right? That's something we always say, and it really does ring true. We, mm-hmm. back in uh, 2014, had launched a previous business together, and it was completely different from iFund Women. It, it was all about supporting women, but more from a creative content perspective. And we were making all the first-time founder mistakes, like you know, putting way too much money into tech that no, there had been no proven demand for yet at that point. And yeah. you know, that's just one of many, many of the little mistakes that we're now. You know, having gone through it, are able to pay on pay forward that wisdom to other founders, and of course, it's the impetus behind a lot of the coaching that we do at iFund Women. But Mm -hmm. I digress. So we found ourselves in 2016 experiencing the very funding problem that we've set out to solve for with iFund Women, which was this lack of access to capital, right? And knowing that under three percent of VC dollars go to women entrepreneurs, and the number was even, you know, the fraction was even lower back in 2016. Although we haven't really made any significant progress uh, to date we couldn't get funding for the life of us. And it's questionable whether or not we were in a position to actually get it. But the point is, us as women entrepreneurs, we're facing the systemic biases that you know run up and down the financial system as it stands. And we essentially turned to crowdfunding as our resource to as, as sort of this last ditch effort to raise capital for our business. Did you use a different platform for that? We did. We did. We used it because iPhone women didn't exist then. Right. And it was through that experience that that light bulb went off for us. And we were like, why is nobody talking about rewards-based crowdfunding as the smartest way for early stage entrepreneurs to go out there and really prove demand for their product or service before they invest in supply, right? And raise money. Yeah at the same time. And, you know, long story short, we had to hustle our way to that, uh, whatever, you know, I think it was like 35K that we needed to raise. There's more to that story as well. But that is the funding, essentially. And that experience itself is what led to the launch of I fund Women, which is you know, the go-to funding marketplace for women entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses and all the people who want to fund them. And we provide the access to capital and coaching and connections that are critical to help women launch and grow better businesses.
0: Okay. So I have a million questions. <laughs> yes. Let's
1: start with the idea.
0: So Karen had this idea and there are three co-founders. So how did everyone come together? And what were your initial roles as co-founders?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Our story is very unique. So I'll say that up front. So if you're <laughs> you know, looking for the template here as an entrepreneur, a solo founder, uh, looking to figure out exactly how to go about bringing on a co-founder or how to craft that relationship. I mean, I think anecdotes from other founders and other women who are in the hustle is always the way to go, but... <laughs> our journey might be a bit unique. So Kate, Karen and I met in 2014. And and stop me, by the way, if I'm like going back to like way too far. I'm like, we met in 2014, or I met Karen on my own in in 2014. She was ideating on this previous venture that I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. Coming out of Google and YouTube, she was born and raised in that tech world and wanted to branch out and really focus on creating access for women to take action. And at the time this was again taking a more creative approach, um, creating a conversation platform for women that would be video based and she needed some creative brains. and we had a mutual friend and she was looking for a writer. At the time I was you know on the verge of applying to law schools and was very heavily invested in you know writing and performing sketch comedy and improv. I mean this is the real truth. <laughs> And, you know, this friend gets in touch with me and says, Hey, there's this woman in my neighborhood and out in Montclair, New Jersey, and she's looking for some writers to help her come up with some great ideas for this new business she's starting. And she was like, this was like speaking a different language to me. And I went and met her and it was Within minutes, like when I first saw her, I was like, oh, we are very different people. And within two minutes, we were talking about like the most niche comedy stuff that I couldn't imagine how she knew. It was this one podcast called Rana and Beverly, which was like, I'm not even gonna get into the details. But anyway, long story short. We start working together. I'm sort of that Jill, Jill of all trades, you know, putting mm-hmm. on all the hats, and you know, with a creative production background, it was really filling a hole that she needed to fill in resources to help her bring a lot of this original content to life. And I loved it, and I was like, you know what? I wish I could do this like all the time. And she's like, why don't you? And through like a proper vetting and an interview process, I came on full time, and okay. it was shortly after that. Kate walks through the door of our office in lower Chelsea and in New York. And this like bubbly woman with all of this personality just like comes right up to me with her like voice modulation and is like, hi, I'm Kate. I'm going to be working here now. (laughs) I was like, who are you? And again, it was like this really complimentary addition to the relationship between the three of us. You know, Karen was definitely a visionary and not just a thinker, but a doer. It's not just thinking about ideas. She was like, okay, like, Now let's execute. Like we have a good idea. We're doing it. And that was something that was so a muscle that I needed to flex in my career was, you know, not just having good ideas, but actually executing. That's super important for any startup. A thousand percent. You got to throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks, right? For sure. And Kate was just this operational, like she just had this like robotic side of her, like she could just get things done. And she, her, we call her a little ops ninja or an ops robot, but we mean that in the most endearing way ever. <laughs> She just gets it done in that capacity. And we've sort of continued to lean into those archetypes as we've grown into women and to where we are today. So, you know, I'm certainly the creative brain and Kate is ops and Karen is visionary and overall health of our business. I love that. Yeah. And so what that looks like now is Kate... You know, as the VP of Operations and Entrepreneur Success at iFund Women, I run our enterprise business and our brand uh, strategy. And Karen is our CEO. And so it's a pretty genuine, like authentic, you know, growth. I'd say story for us um, individually, but obviously in the context of us as co-founders. Is that did I? That was a lot.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. Um... It sounds so serendipitous, right? Like you all just found each other. You were really, I don't want to say yin to the yang, but you know, you were the pieces of this pie (laughs) and just all really fit in, in the way that you needed to come together to scale this brand. Let's fast forward a little bit. You have shared your introduction story, but then you had mentioned about how you were on this crowdfunding platform and you really had to hustle to get to the $35,000 that you were trying to raise. A, why $35,000 and talk to me a little bit about that hustle.
1: Yeah oh God, why $35,000? I have to say, I can't let us get too hung up on that 35K because (laughs) if you were to ask me what exactly we were raising that for and how we got there, I don't know that I accurately recall that. But what I can say is the moment we pressed launch on that campaign, immediately we were like, okay, now what? And we just sat there like, "Mm -hmm, where are the magical money elves? When is the money coming? (laughs) (laughs) And it dawned on us like, okay, where are the resources for these entrepreneurs? And that dawning didn't necessarily, you know, if I'm being totally honest and as I'm talking through it, like that didn't really come along until we launched the beta for I Fund Women, mm-hmm. And we had these 20 badass women entrepreneurs, you know, obviously people who were we were connected to through our network who were willing to take a leap and, you know, try out raising capital on our platform for our beta. Mm-hmm. And immediately we realized, how much handholding we were doing this how many of the same questions we were being asked by all of them, all of them needed to hone their pitches. they needed to figure out how to actually like list out who was in their network and you know sort of strategize around who they're asking for cap- for money and how are they doing it, and depending on what segment of their you know network they're coming from, the message is going to be different, and the ask is going to be different and that was light bulb number, I don't know, 87 or two, I don't know. But it was that moment of like, okay, these women need coaching. It's not just about the capital. And the only way they're going to be able to efficiently and successfully raise capital is if they have the access to the coaching, which was not intuitively provided to us when we were crowdfunding. So no,
0: that's not a part of any crowdfunding platform, right? No. It's the marketplace. You just put your stuff up on there, and then it's up to you to drive the traffic and what happens right. happens.
1: And there's so much power in that, right? Like it's a beautiful thing to like have a platform that incentivizes you to really go out there and do it yourself. But there's a strategy to it. And if you do it the right way, and if you're given the right guidance and support to get there, you're actually building like the basic building blocks for a business, a strong foundation, you have a strong pitch, you have a marketing strategy, you're mapping your network, you understand your audience, you understand the different segments and how you're speaking to each of them in order to get where you need to go. Absolutely. That sort of all came together for us. And in a year or so later is when we launched our coaching, our edtech platform, which is now, you know, Fast forward to today is a robust platform that has membership levels, you know, that offer varying degrees of resources from one-on-one coaching on nano topics uh, related to anything and everything about growing your business because the journey is long. So, you know, entrepreneurs needs are very different at every stage and we have built out the infrastructure to really meet those needs for our members. And then of course we have our workshops and all that good stuff. So yeah. So take me back to
0: when you were doing it yourself because you said yeah. very clearly, as we're having this experience, you know, we're sitting there just waiting for the money to come in and it didn't happen. So now you've had this aha moment where crowdfunding is an amazing thing for a business if it's done right, but you didn't have the tools initially to do it right. So what were some of the first things that you did to make your
1: crowdfund successful? Oh my God, Shauna. Okay, fine. You're really making me go back. I am. <laughs> no, I love it. So then this makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous, but truly, you know, if I could probably put it in a bucket of just like a really a strategic marketing tactic. If I if I look back on it now, but I mean, I'll give you an example. We were really like grasp. I mean, of course, first instinct, right? Like email everyone in your network, ask them for money. Right. Uh, some of, that drove some funding to our campaign could have drawn a, ton, drawn a ton more had we been more strategic and understood and taken the time or had the time to think through, okay, like this is, we're going to segment out our, our audience and create, you know, custom messaging for different segments of that audience, right? How do you segment your personal network, I guess? Because yeah. I
0: can understand how to like customize different messages for different people, but how do you properly segment your personal network?
1: Yep. So in the context of crowdfunding, it's you going out and raising small increments of money from lots of different people that you know. That's Mm rewards-based crowdfunding. And in exchange, they're getting a particular reward at a specific price point that you've laid out in your campaign and whether that is them being able to access your product or service or it's swag related to your product or service or whatnot. And when you are segmenting out your audience, your personal network, one way to think about it is this. Your parents and the people who love you and your family in your life are contributing to your campaign for a very different reason than, let's say, like your colleagues at your last job, or perhaps other entrepreneurs that you've come to know and lean on for support from a community that you're involved with, or whether it's others in your industry or your social media following, people who don't know you necessarily very well, but your loyal potential first customers, you know, and that's another segment, right? The people who are actually that you would identify as your target customer. And there might be crossover there, but the point is the why for different people in your network is going to be different. Therefore, you should be attentive to that and intentional about the message that you're sending to them and the ask that you're making to them. Because another component of successfully crowdfunding is making a very specific ask to those in your network. It's not just as simple or you won't be as successful if you're simply saying, hey, I have this crowdfunding campaign. I'd love for you to contribute. Thanks so much for considering. No. I mean, there's so much more that goes into it, right? Like there should be a little bit of a give before you ask to get from someone or make the ask. So, you know, I mean, I'm really, I'm I'm getting in the weeds here, but you know, it's layered. And when you make the ask, you want to be thoughtful about who you're talking to and be very specific about what you need from them. And making the ask in and of itself is something that as founders, especially first time entrepreneurs, like we're not expected to be great at. Nobody wants to hear no. It's something we're super scared of and we all have different different ways of self-sabotaging and creating excuses for why we don't want to do something that's going to drive our business forward. But 99% of the time, it actually comes down to fear of Hearing no or making the ask. So, a lot of the coaching that we do at iFun Women in preparation for a campaign is about perfecting your pitch, sort of doing it in such a way that ultimately you stop feeling feelings and you're just like numb and you're going out there and you're making the ask, knowing that a certain percentage of people are going to say no, which is why, you know, we've developed something called the iFun Women Method Playbook at iFun Women, which one tab on that playbook is dedicated to mapping out your network. And there's built in formulas. In there that make it very clear exactly how what percentage of your audience you can really count on to support you. Understanding that, you know, realistically, 80% of your network is going to probably say no or not answer your email or not see your DM or whatnot. But there's 20% that will, and that's going to drive this X amount of funding to your campaign. So there's all sorts of like fun formulas built in there that really help you get an accurate portrayal of how much money you can actually raise given the percentage of your network that's likely to contribute. I mean, I feel like I've gotten so far away from the original question. Oh.
0: No, I think <laughs> this is all really, really important because it's not just about the business model that you've created. It's it's also about how you help people. And this is something that a lot of people don't know how to do. And when they're pitching like you said, like a lot of VCs and things like that, I think... I look at startups differently than a lot of people look at startups. I look up startups as mm-hmm. a scalable business model, not necessarily a venture backed company that, mm-hmm. you know, got a million dollars to grow because there's a lot of people who are building companies and they really have the model that can scale and they're hustling for it, but getting big infusions of capital are not part of the deal. And we have this, culture around startups that is about pitching and about getting the money from traditional investors. But so many people don't think about this as an option. And it's not only a legit option. It's a really great foundation for your business in a way that
1: traditional capital might not be. I mean, you couldn't have said it. I couldn't. I said it better myself. <laughs> You couldn't have said it better either because you said it perfectly. But I mean, that just comes back to the education, right? And creating Mm -hmm. an ecosystem for women entrepreneurs to see themselves in their peers and fellow founders who are in the hustle with them. So you're more and more drawn to the shared experience that we're all having as founders, most of us solo founders, and glomming on less to this like ideal uh, fantasy of VC, which is like so as you just said it, not only do we have such little access to it and there's so many bar- there's such a huge barrier to entry there but there's also so many smarter, better ways to raise capital as an early stage founder that are debt free, that allow you to assess the demand for your product or service before you invest in supply, and frankly, give you the means to do the necessary work to build a strong foundation that will help you grow a stronger business in the long run. So yeah, and it's what has led us also to, you know, a subsequent form of capital that we offer on FN Women, which is through grants. Mm-hmm again, debt-free capital and allows us to provide that access at scale to more women entrepreneurs in our community, which is something we're super, super proud of and have been blessed to have like amazing partners to date to help us really establish that form of fundraising.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean... What you have built has been such a tremendous platform for women who are trying to build their companies. But you have been uniquely involved in it. Um, So excited to have you here because I am a marketer. That's what I do. So I want to hear some of the strategies that you used as the person in charge of growth for this company. To help scale it, because you said you just you started with those twenty
1: amazing women. How were you able to take iFund Women to the next level? Yeah, first of all, I'm not the only tr- person in charge of growth at iFund Women, <laughs> but I'll take some credit just as a founder, a co-founder of this company. But our leadership team and our entire team at iFund Women, which was once. Us three at Karen's house, and quickly Olivia Owens, uh, the creator and GM of iPhone Women of Color, came along, and then mm-hmm. here we are at I think twenty seven or twenty eight employees, which is crazy. They're all such huge contributors to our growth. So, and that's not a BS thing to say. I just really need to put that out there. Well, it takes a village, right? It I mean, takes a village. You have that VP, that marketing
0: title, so I yeah, really yeah. love. Uh, I definitely want to hear what some of the strategic work that you have done has been. That's kind of the beautiful thing about having co-founders too, right? Is that you can really lean on each other. It's a group
1: effort across the board. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, what I can really speak to that has been my main focus for the past two and a half years is our enterprise business at iFundWomen. So this is really where partnerships were born at iFundWomen, where our grant programs were born. And as I said, like, of course, as co-founders, it was always part of our roadmap to have additional offerings for fundraising options on iFundWomen, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, always keeping to our mission of providing as much access to capital for women entrepreneurs as possible and doing so in a way that's efficient for them and, you know, keeps women out of debt in the earliest days of growing their businesses and grants was top of mind. And it just so happened again, kind of serendipitously serendipitously, which is probably like an eye roll moment for any listeners who are like, Oh, I need the strategy. But it was a serendipitous moment where, you know, we had a brand come to us and it just happened to be sustain, which is a brand, a lubricant eye drop brand. And they were mm-hmm. coming to us saying, We want to run a grant program, support women, you know, within this age group who are experiencing dry eye. Specifically, we want to focus on women entrepreneurs and we want to do it with Women. We did some Googling and you guys came up as the go-to place that has our customers. So that has exactly who we're looking to serve. You know, we jumped on the opportunity, of course, and so cut to the visionary, the grant program to support visionary women that launched shortly after and provided capital and mentorship to women entrepreneurs who were selected as recipients for that program. And that was really our first soiree into this world of offering grant programs through our enterprise partnerships. And one thing I will also say, just when I say that that was our first instance of that, something that has always been built into you know, the iFun Women DNA is something we call pay it forward. So mm. each month we pay for 20% of our own fees, our crowdfunding fees, back into live campaigns on the platform. And there's, you know, set criteria there that we select the recipients based on each month. But that's a grant program that has been part of iFun Women since day one, right? Like paying forward. percentage of our own revenue back into the campaigns and the businesses of women entrepreneurs who are part of our community, who are hustling and really doing the work to get to the finish line and raise the capital they need for X, Y, and Z, whatever it may be. So it was definitely something we had been in practice Passionate about since day in practice, passionate about and activating on since day one, and now here we were with an enterprise partner who was willing to put additional capital forward and say we also want to support women-owned businesses. And it was shortly after that the momentum just sort of picked up from there, and it, it became mm-hmm. that program in and of itself was an incredible experience for us from a marketing perspective. Right, we were able to leverage the audience and momentum from our brand partners and use that to highlight what we were doing at I Fund Women. really come out as having this grant option on I Women, and also highlight these incredible women-owned businesses. And then they were able to leverage that momentum and go out and raise more capital on top of the grant funding that they received. So it, it just all clicked for us. Is like, oh my gosh, this is such an incredible opportunity. It is a win-win-win, right? Like brands are getting, they get the brand love that they're out there looking for through this marketing tactic on their end. Mm-hmm. We get to get more of a spotlight on I Fund women and more of a spotlight on the women entrepreneurs. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we're driving more funding to these women-owned businesses. And that's exactly what we were able to accomplish. Shortly after came Adidas, then Visa, And now we're about ten or eleven grant or um, enterprise programs deep with different brands that we are just super proud to be able to share that experience with. And a component. And when we talk about like you know scaling that access, it's been an incredible journey this past year in particular. As we've all women-owned businesses have certainly been hit the hardest through this pandemic to be able to realize the power of the coaching in combination with the capital when it comes to these grant programs. And what's been incredible is to see our partners understand that need as well and say okay we want to put 10k grants into the hands of 25 women-owned businesses but we hear you i fund women and we see the need for the coaching as well so let's give each one of those recipients a coaching membership as well and make sure that they're really able to maximize the output from that funding that we're giving them
0: hey everybody it's shauna I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode to remind you that there's lots of good stuff happening over at StartupRenegades.com. First, you can enter your email address, join the community and get notified of discounts and specials that our featured founders are giving exclusively to the Startup Renegades community. Also, get notified when we have founder firesides where we put the founders in the hot seats and give you the opportunity to ask them the questions in a one-on-one environment. Plus, you can join the Startup Renegades Business Workshop. This is a four-week accelerator for founders who need a custom strategy, actionable next steps, and a true support system in order to scale. Is that you? If so, come join us at startuprenegades.com and let's get started. Yeah, that's so important for sure. Okay, so I have a couple questions. I want to get to the brand partnerships, but let's go back a little bit because I think you said something that really struck me. You said it was serendipitous, but at the same time, you said that that first brand Googled And that's how they found you. So that kind of ties back into marketing. Were there certain things that you did for exposure in the beginning? Was your social media rocking? Were you listed in directories? Did you have killer SEO? How do you think you were found in the beginning?
1: Yeah, we had our, you know, Google Angel at the helm of our business. So of course SEO is certainly important to us. And I really do appreciate you like drilling in on some of the very specific tactics, because I mean, that's just such a blessing. So if I were a first time founder in the earliest days hearing you, I'd be like, thank you. Thank you for asking that question. (laughs) So yes, it was SEO, but I would say we were really focused on our social media presence. Okay, That was definitely like where all thoughts around our marketing originated, right? When we thought about you know, what we're doing for Women's History Month. It was like, what does that look like on our Instagram? That was sort of like where we started. And I can't say that that was too strategically thought through in terms of like, that's really like how we should be thinking about it at those earliest Mm -hmm. days. But that was the easiest way for us to visualize, I think. And like, you know, it felt like something very accessible that we could all lean into. And then as Karen has always been Super adamant, and then of course, we've all adopted this, and it's part of each of our DNA at this point. It's like we make data driven decisions at iFun Women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's Essential. a little bit of gut, there's a little bit of gut intuition, but you know, when you come to the table with your team, with in any capacity at iFun Women, it's so important to come with the data behind it, when you say, I think we should do this, it's the why has to be to be some data behind that we have to be able to back that up. And in your earliest days, early, early, early days, you don't necessarily have that data yet. But you want to before you embark on any particular marketing tactics, or, you know, these are the content buckets that we're focused on on our social, and this is the campaign that we're going to run in March and November, you know, Mm -hmm. what infrastructure are you putting in place to track the performance, because You want to be able to have that retrospective at the end, no matter how brief it is in those earliest days, and then use that as a reference to make decisions moving forward. So, I'm probably making it sound way easier and like cleaner than it really was. It was like, you know, we were like juggling a thousand things. But to your point, they Googled women funding for women and I fund Women came up. So we must have been doing something right from an SEO perspective, from just generally creating that brand awareness through our social media channels. That was really like what we were focused on between the four of us, I guess, for the, four, for the first like year and a half or two before Sustain came along.
0: Is there anything that you think that you did really well on social media in the beginning that drove brand awareness? Because social media is something I feel like most brands really struggle with. They're putting in the work, they're doing the content, and they're just not seeing growth the way they feel like they shouldn't be yeah. based on the, the effort that they're putting in. Do you have any tips or tricks or
1: anything you feel like you did particularly well? You know, we really diversified our content in the early days and our content buckets specifically. So there, you know, for us what we do can come off as overcomplicated unless we really keep it simple. Mm-hmm. But really to my point is that there's so many facets to iPhone women, right? There's women-owned businesses who are raising funding on our platform. There's our coaching and our education and our resources. There's the team behind iPhone women who are real people and real entrepreneurs and we also want to put ourselves out there to just so that our members and our audience see themselves in the product that they're using, right? I love that, yeah. And so on and so forth. So, you know, I think we had maybe five or six content buckets that we were really focused on, and that drove the the content that was created and distributed across our marketing channels. And, you know, it was a constant check back. Are we hitting all of these different buckets? And which ones are resonating and which aren't? Like, which ones are getting engagement? Which ones are performing well? And we ourselves were learning how to measure that engagement and success on the different platforms, but you're able to see like between each other, how, what content is resonating. Yeah. our Now I have to like our director of marketing and communications, Julia Steele is like, a marketing goddess who has leveled up her <laughs> marketing game beyond like we were scraping along. But hopefully, you know, anyone listening can identify with that as well. You know, we met I didn't come from a marketing background. But together with my founders, like we just really gravitated towards our marketing channels, and specifically our social media channels is where we needed to create that brand awareness.
0: I love that. You also talked about The brand partnerships being so important and how that first one really came to you. Did you have to go out and find any on your own? Oh,
1: yes, Shauna. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's a long game. It is a long game. I mean... And that's obviously something that we track here, right? Like of our successful programs, was it inbound? Was it outbound? Every component, every facet needs to be tracked and evaluated to understand you know, how we can continue to grow this part of our business. And Yes, well, we continue to grow. We have a brand like Adidas that comes to iFund Women and is like, we want to support women entrepreneurs who are doing innovative things in sports. And we're like, mm. fantastic, that's awesome. Um, and then we have financial partners like Visa that we knew were doing they were doing incredible work um, with regards to supporting women-owned businesses. And of course, small businesses is like their MO, um, right. but their She's Next initiative and their Women's Empowerment Initiative. Just, we knew that that would be a fantastic fit. So if I'm remembering correctly, like, you know, that was us reaching out to them. And then maybe six months later, it's okay, we're ready, let's do something. So it was a little bit of both. But we were really like building that relationship with them, and creating that awareness for the team that we got connected to, however, we were able to get connected to them. And then, you know, over time, they came back to us.
0: So what makes a good brand partnership?
1: And how do you go about initiating that? What makes a great brand partnership is a shared mission and creating a win-win ecosystem. (laughs) You know, like there should be something in it for them as much as there is something in it for you. And That's I think so tough I feel like sometimes because you're looking for good brand
0: partners and they either have like a bigger social media following than you or you don't know what you can give back that makes it a win for them. Yeah. How have you navigated well,
1: that? Well, think about this and this is certainly true for iPhone women like sure, Visa has a huge following and is a very established corporation and financial institution. Right. But we have built a unique, authentic relationship with their target customer. I mean, that at the end of the day, and that is something so coveted to a brand and to a company, you know, that is not to be undervalued by any means. So it's something that as you grow, you at times sacrifice that connection you actually have to the business owners or to the audience that you're serving. yeah. And not to say that Visa hasn't been doing an incredible job of that since their since you know their origin, but it's something that they wanted to reinvigorate a focus on, and i women was there to support that and over a quarter of a million dollars in funding later, they are really pioneering and championing this support for women owned businesses through access to capital and coaching through i women. I love that so much, Sarah, tell me. What does being a startup renegade mean to you? Honestly, I think being a woman entrepreneur, running a woman-owned business makes you a renegade. Like against all odds, you are not quitting. You are persevering. You're pushing forward and growing a business and proving the value and demand for your product or service. Like you're a renegade. Hashtag (laughs) renegade. Like give me a lower back tattoo that says renegade. Like... (laughs) We are all renegades in our own right as women entrepreneurs. I love it.
0: Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. Tell listeners where they can find you.
1: You can find me through iFundWomen at iFundWomen on all the socials. Go to iFundWomen.com. We have some amazing grant opportunities running right now with our partners at Jane Walker, through the First Women campaign with Visa right now, funding 60 Black women-owned businesses with 10K grants and annual coaching memberships. So check that out in select cities. And we also just launched today our I Fund Women Neutrogena Fund that is funding women in the health and wellness space with 10K grants. So that's my way of turning your ask for how can you follow me into plugs for our current grant programs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The grants are so important. It's yes. really something iFundWomen has such an amazing ecosystem, not just for the coaching and the crowdfunding, but also the grants are just a wonderful way to grow a business in a way that a woman might not have had access or resources to do before. So it's important that everybody knows. Thank you so much for being here. And everybody go check out iFundWomen right now. Bye-bye. Thank you. That was this week's episode of Startup Renegades. Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade.